welcome to episode 123 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 20th, 2019. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at Game Critics. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor at Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am doing just fine. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. And today is a... I know you can't see this because this is podcasting and it's audio, <laughs> but uh, it is a beautiful, bright, sunshiny day here in Seattle. And we haven't had one of those in so long. I forgot what it looked like and I forgot what it felt like. And it's just kind of marvelous. Got my window cracked open, got some sun coming in. It's pretty lovely. Today is technically the first day of spring, right? Is it? I have no idea. I think, I feel like I read that somewhere, maybe on Twitter or something. I think today is the first day of spring, so it's just Mother Nature welcoming spring to Seattle, it sounds like. Well, I am happy to be here, because it has been a long, cold-ass winter, <laughs> and although I'm not looking forward to the dog days of summer, it is very nice to get a little bit of warmth and to not have to wear 15 layers, plus turn the heaters on in my living room at home, so... Uh, being a little bit warm right now is very, very welcome. So, But we're not here to talk about weather, sir. That's true. We are not. We're here to talk about video games, and we've got kind of a short show. Brad's on a little bit of a time crunch today. However, we're back to regular format, regular show now, banter at the end of the show. Got a couple of small news items, and then we're going to move on to a few games. I promise Brad does not have 15 games to talk about this week. And then we're going to close out the show. How does that sound, Brad? Sounds good. And I do want to apologize. I know people probably have gotten used to our, our colossal episodes, but today I am on a very tight schedule. And just full disclosure, we have had a bear of a time trying to find um, a time that worked for both of us to record, which is mostly my fault because <laughs> I kept having real life things pop up. It was Corey's not to blame. I, I solely uh, am at fault for this, but we're going to use the time that we have most efficiently and we're going to get through it ASAP. It will be a short episode, but we'll do the best we can. And I think that next week we'll be back to probably our, a more luxurious episode. <laughs> luxurious that's a perfect word to describe this podcast um it's like a it's like a bath bomb oh my god yes yeah get in get in the bath put your bath bomb in put your face mask on and welcome to episode 123 of the so video games podcast now you're talking now we're cooking there we go <laughs> all right so a couple of quick news items first i meant to mention this last week i totally forgot um i want to let everybody know that hitman 2 io's sequel in the reboot of the hitman franchise that came out last november i think it was november or maybe it was december um either way end of last year which brad and i both championed on the show we both we recorded a four hour podcast about the game on the show god we did we did we did and i i reviewed it for game critics we've talked about it at length we both love it i just want to let everybody know that the first level of Hitman 2, which is the New Zealand level, Hawks Bay, I think it's called, which, um, and if I may remind everybody, Brad and I both described as a perfect capsule a perfect level. Hitman level. Yes, yes, it's perfect. It's like just big enough to be interesting and have some variation, but it's not a huge, you know, multiple city blocks and 25 skyscrapers. Those come later in the game, but it's like the perfect, like, small hitman level it is free to play now i believe it's free to play on pc and consoles i downloaded it on steam about a week ago and played it um so if you're i know we champion this game all the damn time if you're one of those people who's listened to us talk about it and you've been thinking man i i don't know i don't know i don't know if it's for me i'm not sure i just don't know you can play hawks bay and hitman 2 it's free to play you still have to buy the rest of the game as far as i know but Please try it. Um, it's very good. Hitman 2 is the best. I love it. The first level is free to play, so please, by the love of or for the love of God, play it. And that's all I have to say about that. Brad, any input? Agreed, agreed. If you're a fan of this show and you listen to that four-hour episode, <laughs> I mean, you probably have already beaten Hitman, so maybe this doesn't matter to you. But if you haven't played it, do yourself a favor. Check it out. I mean, I everybody I've talked to, everybody who I've convinced to play Hitman, has liked it. Like maybe they haven't become like a series hardcore fan. Maybe they didn't finish the game, but they got some enjoyment out of it. And I, you know, if you haven't played Hitman, it is unlike anything else out there. Hitman is its own genre. So do yourself a favor, at least check it out. And the Hawks Bay level, like Corey said, like I said, is basically a perfect level. So even if you don't care about Hitman, if you care about game design, if you care about games, if you care about having small, complete experiences, it is a literally a perfect level. So check it out. 
you can get through the whole thing in an hour or two, maybe less, maybe more. Worth worth a shot, worth a free download, for sure. Yes, absolutely. And then the other small news item I want to bring up, I don't want to get into the weeds with this because we're doing a short show, but in case you have not heard, um, Google held a press conference. I think it was at GDC yesterday. GDC is going on right now. The yeah, Game that's, right. Conference. that's right. Um, Google is releasing its own... I, I want to say game console, but it's not actually a console. Basically, God, I tried to do research on this, but it's kind of hard to wrap my head around in the limited reading I did. Um, they're basically releasing kind of like a way, like a streaming service for video games, not dissimilar to OnLive or kind of the Ouya, I think was the same way that came out a while back. And I mean, these kind of streaming services have had a track record of basically coming out and failing and coming out and failing. But, you know, such as life, if something fails, you know, leave it to one of the biggest companies in the world to try to make it work. Um, so Google has released Stadia, which is S-T-A-D-I-A, which I honestly think is a fucking terrible name, but that's neither here nor there. They released Stadia, which is basically a games streaming service. It has, they're, they're sort of promising um, 60 frames per second up to 4K Resolution streaming on either your PC, your TV, which you need a Chromecast key if you're doing it on your TV. But you can do it on basically right now they're saying any screen in your life, whether it's a tablet, a PC screen, your phone, or a TV screen, any of those. Um, they're kind of doing it through YouTube because Google like kind of technically owns YouTube, where apparently like the big like push, the selling point, which I think is a weird selling point for it is that you can be watching a streamer playing a game on YouTube and then there will be like a button you can click in the corner where you click it and then basically in like what did they say in like 30 seconds or something you'll be no 5, five seconds 5, five seconds. seconds excuse me 5 seconds you can be playing that exact same game so like it's basically just like a quick game streaming service they do have a controller out that looks kind of similar to like an Xbox 360 controller that they're going to be putting out um it's launching later this year um, as far as I've read, you don't have to have the controller to use it, but I'm sure if you're playing it on your phone or on your TV, you probably would want the controller, um, whereas if you're doing it on PC, probably can do mouse and keyboard if you want. Um, I think this is an okay idea. I'm not really sold on it, um, just, you know, personally, just speaking totally personally here. Um, I don't, I, I still can't quite get behind the idea of streaming games because, you know, pretty much everybody and their brother on the internet has been bringing up, like, what if you don't have an internet connection? What if you have a shitty internet connection? What if your internet connection is prone to, you know, flashing in and out or something? And those complaints are totally valid because basically you probably need, like, an incredibly stable and fast internet connection to make this kind of thing work. You know, if you're talking about streaming games over the internet from, like, a server farm. So, I mean, that's kind of like the big complaint or the big concern right now they also have not disclosed the prices for anything or if it's going to have different subscription models or because it's probably going to be like a monthly subscription thing but i mean the big selling point is it's basically a game streaming service with no console no you don't like need anything other than the chrome key if you're playing on the tv probably the controller if you're playing on tv but that's it um try to do a kind of a flash coverage of it. Uh, Brad, I'm sure you're up to date on what's going on with this. Do you have any thoughts or feelings? Yeah, I have many. I mean, <laughs> I was talking about this basically all morning long with people on Twitter and having different conversations. It's a huge topic. If we talk about it right now, we will literally eat up the entire rest <laughs> of the show, and we are on a short schedule today. So let's just table it for now, but let's just say that I do have a lot of thoughts on it, and there's many, many different aspects to this. Um, it's something that I think we're definitely going to have to dig into in its own section in the future. But yeah, big, big announcement. Um, let's not open that can of worms because we will never get it sealed. But yeah, we'll talk more about this in the future for sure. Perfect. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll put a pin in it for now. We'll come back to it later whenever we have more time to discuss it. But let's move on to games. Uh, like I said, I feel like I'm speaking like a freaking one of those um, auction house dudes going a million miles, miles an hour. But We've only got a few games to talk about. we got to keep the show short this week. Um, Brad, do you want to go first and take the floor? Yeah, this will be pretty quick. I tried to play a bunch of things this week, but I got really, really busy. And I know I keep saying that. I know I sound like a total broken record. <laughs> um, I promise you guys, uh, I my, my schedule will slow down pretty soon. I think this is probably the last of the heaviest weeks. I think last or next week should be pretty light, and then after that I'm free and clear, so... I will have more stuff to talk about, but luckily there wasn't really a lot of new stuff to talk about this week and for, as far as games go, so I was kind of digging into some backlog, digging into some Switch stuff. You know, last episode I blew through a bunch of like shitty games on the Switch, and this week I picked up another one, 
which I thought was going to be pretty cool and I was going to get into it and I could not have been more wrong. Oh no. It's it's called Beat Cop, B E A T C O P, Beat Cop. Uh it's an indie game, 2D pixel based, comes from I forget where, some studio like in Europe. I want to say Eastern Europe and the premise is that you are a police officer who patrols the same like two blocks, so that's like your beat, right? Like back in the day. Uh, the people developing the game put up a little message at the start and they said, oh, you know, we're really big fans of like the 80s cop shows and that whole vibe. So, you know, that's what we're going for. And please don't take this game too seriously, which kind of gave me a little bit of a red flag, <laughs> which was really borne out in short order. But the idea, I think, is great because you have a very small space of just two blocks. You can cover it front to back really quickly. And along the, the blocks, there's like these little storefronts. You can go inside the storefront, but each store is just like one room. And has a little shopkeeper. So there's, there's, it's not like an open world thing. It's just literally like maybe like 16 rooms and a street and like a couple of alleys and like that's it. So like you can, you learn the territory pretty quickly. You can cover it pretty quickly. There's not a lot of like places to get lost or search. You just kind of go back and forth. You talk to people who are on the, on your beat. You know, you talk to the pizza shop owner uh, who's also conveniently an Italian mobster. You talk to the guy <laughs> that owns the, the porno shop. You talk to the guy who owns the, the, uh, um, I don't know, the, the pawn shop or whatever. And it seems fine. It seems fine. Uh, seems like a kind of an interesting thing. The, the cop himself also has an ex-wife, and so he has to earn a certain amount of money to pay for his uh, alimony, and there's a couple other things that come up that you need to pay for. So he's kind of stuck in the whole, I have bills, my job doesn't pay too much, and so, of course, one of the natural conflicts of that, which I think is probably mirrored in real life, is that there's all these people who are like, hey, man, look the other way. And I will hook you up with women or drugs or money or whatever you want, as long as you let me do my crimes and don't turn me in. And so that pops up pretty quickly. And then you have to decide for yourself, you know, how, how bad do I need the money? What happens if I can't pay? What happens if I let these Italian guys do whatever they want to do? And what happens if I, you know, don't turn these crimes in? And so I think that's all a very fine premise for a game. I was very interested in that. I was, I was, I was down for that. I was in the mood for it. It's on the Switch. Uh, it's a great fit for the Switch. I think it fits perfectly. But the problem is a big one. And the problem is this game is racist as fuck. Oh, no. And I was very surprised. It's sexist also, but I think it's more racist than it is sexist. But neither one of those things are good. <laughs> and neither one of those things are things that I fucking put up with these days. And I'm shocked. I mean, I shouldn't be shocked. I shouldn't be shocked, right? Because there's assholes in the world. And assholes make games sometimes i just i guess i'm just shocked because it's been a long time since i played a game on a console that was as racist as this game is i'm surprised that nintendo let it on their switch to be honest with you um I, i'm not going to repeat this stuff out loud number one because my son is in the room but number two because i don't think it bears repeating but within like one minute and i'm not exaggerating like within one minute of getting to the beat Somebody comes up and says like this racist slur against one of the Asian shopkeepers. And I'm like, oh, my God, did that guy just say that? Totally just said that. Later on, uh, you see a picture of a black person sitting on a stoop eating a piece of watermelon. Oh and I'm God. like, OK, that's a bit much. And then I, so so what happened was I started playing this and I couldn't believe my eyes. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm never going to get through this game because I'm so appalled by the, the shit that I'm seeing. They start razzing one of the female cops because she, I guess, I mean, it's pixely. You can't tell what she looks like. Right. But they're like, oh, yeah, you look like a dude and all this racist shit. They start, like, ragging on her because she looks too masculine. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to play a game where this shit is happening. I'm just not going to put up with it. So instead, what I'm going to do is I started I, I started a fresh game because I, I didn't take screenshots or anything. I'm like, I'm going to start over. I'm going to screenshot everything that I see. I'm going to put up a blog post where I'm just going to say I'm not going to play this game and I'm not going to review this game. And here's all the racist shit that I encountered. And then I'm just going to leave it at that. So I got a bunch of screenshots of shit that I just literally can't believe uh and i'm gonna post that so i didn't get any further i mean another another example you you know you're a cop of course you have to catch people who do crimes first person who commits a crime is a black person you keep going with the game second person commits crime black person third person who commits crime black person all separate crimes all separate instances and i'm like okay i'm sensing a pattern here and i don't need to put up with this shit anymore this is not fucking acceptable in any way uh, and you know, this, so this just goes back to that opening, um, little disclaimer they put up where it's like, oh yeah, this is an eighties thing and we're trying to honor the eighties and don't take it too seriously. And it's all good fun. No, it's not. This is just an excuse for me to be racist fucking assholes and sexist pigs. And I, it's not okay. Like I, I just will not partake. So I'll put up this blog 
post, which kind of exposes the shit that they're doing. I'm not going to review it. Although I should fucking review it. Just give them a fucking zero and tank their goddamn Metacritic score. But I will not do that. And uh, I'm just really, really put off that somebody could put out something like this. Not only did they put out, but like that it was on a console. I believe it's on PS4. It's definitely on the Switch. I don't know about the Xbox, but I think that the console makers should take a little fucking closer look and not let this shit through anymore. So very, very unhappy with Beat Cop. Hmm. This sounds like hot garbage, first of all. And second of all, I'm always like, you know, because like there's always that that sort of like group or whatever of people who will say like, like, oh, well, like this game can't be racist because like black people really do commit crimes or people really are sexist in the world or whatever. And like, yeah, that's true. Like people are sexist and, you know, black people sometimes commit crimes, you know, as do every race of people. But it's just like the bigger thing for me here is it's just like, you know, like the expression, read the room. It's like, do you see what's going on in the world? Do you see like all of the racial injustice that's happening? Do you see like, you know, sort of things like the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement and stuff like that? Like, you know, it's just like, you know, when you think about things, like maybe if this game had been released like 20 or 30 years ago, like people would have been like, oh, ha ha ha, because it's kind of like of its era. And I'm not excusing that because like if you go back and watch sitcoms from like the 80s and 90s, there's like so much like racist and sexist stuff in them. Totally, they just like dude, was totally. fine at the time, fine, quote unquote, at the time, because, you know, we didn't have social media to call people out on their bullshit as much. But it's like, you know, just like fucking read the room, like you like this stuff like oh my god i'm just thinking about like if you have the time i think i feel like i've said this about another game recently and i can't remember what it was but like or maybe i just thought it and didn't say it out loud but like if you have the time and the skill and the energy and the wherewithal to be able to develop a game in the first place which is not an easy thing to do like developing a game is not easy it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of money it takes a lot of commitment it takes a lot of it, just a lot of everything like you don't just turn over a game in three days i mean unless it's like a game jam situation you make like a game in like a day or whatever but like if you have all of those things all those skills to make a game and this is what you make like the only thing you can think to make is a game that's full of, like, racism and full of sexism and, like, maybe classism and stuff like that. Like, like, could you not have made anything other than this? Like, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, it could be, you know, a, a teeny tiny little part of me, and I know this is not true, wants to say, like, oh, well, maybe we should give it the benefit of the doubt because it's, like, commentary on life and on cops or whatever but at the same time it's like no like or we could just not do that at all because i don't like i don't want to you know make a habit of like spotlighting games that have this kind of content on it and it's just like if you have the wherewithal to like be able to make a game in the first place like why would you waste your time making something like this yeah and just to be clear you know i know that some people will tackle these subjects as a means of maybe, um, you know, like, like you said, commentary, maybe they have some political commentary, maybe they're trying to make a point, maybe they're trying to highlight some injustices, maybe they're using these themes as a way of communicating about um, today's world. And I mean, those things are fair. Like, I mean, I think that tackling those subjects is, is fair game, because those are real things that we face in the world. And if you've got something to say about it, then, you know, I'm here for that. If you have a point, if you're trying to do something good with it, but this is not that these guys don't have any commentary, these guys don't have any they're not using it to make a point. They're just saying, hey, look, all the black people are committing crimes. Hey, look at these black people. They're gangbangers. Hey, look at this masculine lady. Uh, she must be like a dyke or something. So let's make fun of her. And it's like, no, like, no, like, I'm not going to sit through this. You guys are not trying to do anything. You're not using it with a purpose. There's no real message behind this. You are just engaging in the fucking racist, sexist tropes that we are struggling as a people to leave behind. The good people are trying to leave behind anyway. And if you're going to make a game like this in the modern era, I have to assume that you are the enemy, basically. Like, you are on the other side. Are you, like, a gamer gator? Are you a Trump supporter? Are you, like, one of those people that thinks, like, white privilege is fine because it's your God-given right because you're white? I mean, I don't know what message you want me to take, but it's a bad one. And you guys really miscalculated when you put this game together. So um, I wish it was some kind of satire. I wish it was some kind of commentary. It does not seem to be. I got nothing from it. It seems just, like, really kind of gross characterization and uh, i am mm. not a fan at all so. okay well let's not give this game any more airtime and let's swiftly move on to let's move a on a game that 
actually does have some social commentary. I'm really going to segue this a little bit. Um, I want to talk about last week I said I was going to be playing The Occupation soon. This is developed by White Paper Games. It's published by Humble Bundle and somebody else. I can't remember who else published it. Sorry, guys. Um, it is a PC, PS4, Xbox One game um, by White Paper Games. They made Ether One before. I talked about that at length in the last episode. Um, so last time when I talked about that I was going to be playing this game, I actually kind of like admitted that I didn't really know like what the game was about. I was just excited for it because I like the developers. But I've played, I've not played all of it, but I think I've played almost all of it. And now I'm ready to talk about what uh, The Occupation is about. So The Occupation is a first-person game um, that it basically at the, this is like not really a spoiler because it happens like 30 minutes into the game, but I can't say anything about the game without saying it. So... Heads up, there's like a tiny, tiny, tiny spoiler alert for something that happens early in the game. Um, basically, you are a woman named Scarlet who works at a, I think it's like a software company in the 80s, the late 80s, 1987 to be uh, precise. In the UK, I think they're in London or something. I'm surprised anybody listens to this show with me being like, okay, I think it's this year. I think it's a city. I think it's this time. Um, it's in the UK. It's you and me both, dude. You and me both. Yeah, right, man. So... Um, you work for the software company and the opening chapter, she's kind of like up to something. She's trying to like back up this data disc or like erase it or something. And to be frank, and this is a criticism I'm going to have of the game later, I think the game kind of gets you into things a little too quickly before like really like letting you know what's going on. And then she leaves the office. She goes, I don't know, to her house or her apartment or whatever. And then the office that she works in gets bombed. Like somebody bombs it. You're led to believe from the inside. So that's kind of like what kicks off the course of the game. So this is a game where you play as two different people. For part of the game, for every other chapter, you play as Scarlet, the woman who was in the office at the beginning of the game. And her husband, Michael, I think his name is, um, who is like the COO or the CFO or something of the company. And she's really high up too. Um, he dies in the bombing as, as do like other people. And so part of the game is her like going back to the bomb site of the building and the building's still standing. It's not like completely gone. Um, trying to like figure out kind of what happened and try to piece things together. And it's kind of a mystery game in that regard. And then the other half of the game, which is like more of the meat of the game, you play as an invest investigative journalist named uh, Mr. Martin. I cannot remember his first name, so I'm just going to call him Mr. Martin. And he is sort of like, I don't know if he's like super high profile or if he's like the best investigative journalist in the world or whatever, but he has sort of like been given clearance to go to the site like after all this happens, like weeks, I think, after it happens or six months, I think, after it happens and sort of like tour the site and interview people that work there and try to figure out like what like happened or what's going on and like kind of write like the big story on it. And so the game, because throughout me talking about this, you don't really get a sense of what the game is. The game is basically like, it takes place in real time, which is pretty fascinating. Um, so every time you play as Mr. Martin, you're in a part of the complex of the building, and usually you show up an hour early before you have to do an interview with somebody. And so you have an hour of real time, real timiness to like, kind of like sleuth around the office building and... Under this umbrella, it becomes very much a kind of like deus ex, kind of dishonored, kind of, dare I say, looking through people's shit simulator, which we all know is very much up my alley. Oh, yes. Oh, so, yes. Uh, this is a, a Corey-ass <laughs> game, I can tell it already. It is. And like the good thing is that I kind of didn't know this was going to be a Corey-ass game going in. I mean, I didn't expect white paper games to make like an action shooter after Ether 1, because Ether 1 was pretty much like a mist-like walking sim. And this is similar, but there's a lot more going on in the occupation. So the the two fascinating things up front is that the game has no combat and it has no health and it has no, like, you're not, like, taking down people with your Adam Jensen mechanical arms in the game. You're basically just sneaking around, but the game keeps moving even if you don't. So basically, if you're in a section of the building, you have an hour or so, and you have, like, a watch button where he literally, like, raises his watch to his face so you can, like, make sure you're staying on task— and every once in a while, his editor will call one of the payphones in the building. She'll page him because it's 1987. He has a pager. And she'll say, hey, I'm going to call a payphone in a few minutes. And so you can try to make it back to a phone for the call. Or if you miss the call, she'll ask you to call her back, um, which requires coins, which you have to find in the environment because they're payphones. But basically, you're in parts of the building. There's a couple of security guards roaming the area. And they're friendly and they're nice to you. They're not, like, trying to arrest you every time they see you. But you... 
the game sort of encourages you to like sneak into parts of the building that you're not supposed to be in. And if you are in those parts, I mean, they don't arrest you, but they'll be like, hey, Mr. Martin, you have to come with me. You can't be in here. Or like, hey, what are you doing? And I've only been caught like a couple of times. So um, so I don't know how far it escalates. Like, I don't know if you get caught like 10 times if it's game over or if they just kick you out of the building or whatever. Um, but it turns into this like, very like investigative like stealth kind of walking something where you're in this sort of like it's not a super open world because you're kind of confined to a building but it had whatever building you're in probably has like three floors it probably has there's like a bunch of vents everywhere that you can crawl through you know very deus exy in that regard there's computers you can log into there's like power panels and storerooms where you can turn the power on and off in certain areas and most doors have card keys and alarms on them so you have to like collect card keys to get in color-coded card keys to get into certain doors. Sometimes the doors require passcodes. So there's like a lot going on um, as far as like the exploration of the game. And for the most part, I like what's going on in the game because obviously this sounds super up my alley. It's pretty damn up my alley to be frank. But I wish that the game spent a little more time in the beginning kind of like explaining its ground rules to you because the tutorial level is Scarlet kind of doing what Mr. Martin does later in the game. She's kind of like sneaking around her office. She kind of is in a place where, you know, she kind of tells you, you know, this isn't where I'm supposed to be, but you're encouraged to sneak around because you have to complete this objective. And then once you start playing as Mr. Martin, it's like slightly less clear that there's like harsher penal harsher penalties for sneaking around or getting caught sneaking around. And the game is also incredibly literal about the things you have to do. Like, for example, there was one segment where the editor called a payphone and she asked me to find a document on one of the computers and fax it to her. And I knew where the computer was that I was supposed to get the thing from. So the computer had a, I put a floppy disk in the computer. I print the document and it says on the, on the computer screen, um, you know, this document printed to the printing room on the first floor. So after a lot of, exploring, I finally find the printing room on the first floor. The printer is turned off, so I have to power on the room, I have to unlock the door, get in there, turn the printer on, and then the thing doesn't print. So I go back upstairs and I try to print it again, and I go back downstairs and it like doesn't print for some reason. So I go upstairs, I pull the disc out of the disc drive on the computer. Brad, I know you're rolling your eyes as hard as you can right now. I pull the disc drive out of the computer, I go back down to the printing room, I put the disc in the computer, that is in the printing room. And when I put the disc in, it says there's no document on the disc. So I have to take the disc back up to the room that I was originally in, copy the fucking document onto the disc, pull the disc out, go back down to the printing room, put the disc in and finally are, print. The are document. you still at work or is this, are we talking about a game still? Like what's <laughs> happening here? It sounds like you're in your office, dude. I'm getting confused. <laughs> to be frank, this is actually slightly more frustrating work that is in my office on a daily basis. Um, but in a weird way, I kind of like it. I know that sounds super bizarre and it sounds really stupid. And I have been frustrated from time to time with it because whenever I discovered that I had to fucking copy the document to the disc, I was like, I had a total like, are you fucking kidding me moment. But I kind of like like what's going on at large here because you're trying to figure out who did the, because they pinned the bombing on an illegal immigrant who was working in the building. So there's this whole like, kind of like social commentary about like, oh, we're pinning the thing on the illegal immigrant or like the immigrant, he got deported, um, but you're not sure if he actually did it. So like a big part of the game is you like doing these interviews and exploring the office to try to figure out, did he actually do it? Did somebody else do it? Was he framed? Was it like a terror attack? Like what was going on? And the software company is also like developing a software that sort of like finds immigrants in society. So then you have to question the ethics of like, the software company at large. And so it's just like, there's a lot of like political stuff going on in the game. And to be frank, it's a little bit too much for me. Like I'm having a really hard time keeping, you know, who's whom, keeping everybody straight, kind of remembering the name of the software on top of the complicated mechanics of the game in and of itself. And the fact that the game is in real time and you only have like an hour to get these things done, you know, in every chapter, like, you know, there's definitely like a fire under my ass, which gives it a wonderful sense of urgency because a lot of games sometimes don't have that sense of urgency. And, you know, I kind of prefer some and I prefer the others. Like something I like about Deus Ex is that like, there's really like no sense of urgency in that game unless you're in like a combat situation, but it makes me feel nice and relaxed and I can stealth around at my leisure and I can stop and eat a donut if I want or, or smoke a cigarette or whatever. But in the occupation, you like have to be like 
sticking around all the time because you only have an hour to make your meeting. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. I like it. I like it. I don't love it. I will report back once I finish it. Um, I know this probably sounds like something you would want to throw, you know, down a freaking tower, uh, you know, that has fire underneath it if you were playing this game, Brad. But I like it. It's a little too heavy for me, a little too intellectual, I think. But I'm hoping that it will come together nicely in the end, and I will report back later. Well, I mean, I do have an affection for games which real logic works. Like, you know, I mentioned this before uh, in regards to Shenmue, a lot of the parts of Shenmue that I liked were kind of realistic where like just being in the world as a living person kind of translated to the game. And it kind of sounds like that's what's going on here. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm definitely all for something that's not about just pulling off no scope headshots <laughs> and something that's not a running gun or something. So it sounds interesting. It definitely seems like it's topical with the immigrant tie in. I mean, there's probably a lot to be said about that. Hopefully this game says something interesting and on point and, and in the proper way. Uh, I mean, it could be interesting, but if it ends up not really going anywhere and just really being about fiddling with objects and being under time stress all the time, then I probably would skip it. But it does sound kind of interesting. Um, we should probably hold off and talk about it more once you're done, because I would be kind of interested to see how the whole thing comes together. Because if you felt like it came together at the end, I would be willing to give it a shot. But if it was like, oh, it didn't really go anywhere. And really, I think they were just fiddling around with like moving objects in the world or something that I will, I will not bother. But um, just out of curiosity, just to be clear. So of the stuff that you just talked about, like, is any of that stuff, should we put up an extra spoiler warning or you think that's all pretty just indicative of the game or not really nothing that is really a giveaway? What do you think? Um, I think it's pretty just like par for the course for the game. I mean, I feel like I'm like, I kind of understand this because it is a mystery story. I feel like I understand the story so little that I couldn't have even spoiled anything if I tried. Um, so I think we're good on spoilers um, so far, but if I come back and discuss it, I might have to put up a spoiler warning like in the next Yeah, episode. we're going to, we're going to, it seems like to talk about any, any, any meat about this game, it would have to be like a spoiler section. So we'll keep that in mind. I do want to hear more about this because it sounds interesting. I'm definitely interested in the approach. As long as it gets somewhere or, you know, you feel like it really gets pulled off then okay yeah i'd be down for that so we'll see we will see um let's put a pin in it now um finish the game i'm, I'm guessing something like this is probably not all that long I, I would i would hope not i would guess not um and let's talk about it next episode once you've finished it and, and you know maybe we'll put up a spoiler warning and really let really see where it goes how's that sound it sounds good to me so i know we had one more game uh to discuss i i hate to say it but i think we're pretty much out of time oh, no. dude. i think we're gonna have to table it we're going to have to table it. But that's actually fine because, uh, folks, we were going to talk about The Division, but I think you and I, Corey, have only played the beta. We haven't been able to find a time that works for us yet. I, I mean, and again, it's really my fault. I've been really extra busy. Stuff's been going on. So you've been more available than I have. So this one's on me. But it probably is for the best because I would rather talk about this game after having spent some group time. I think that probably will, will get some more interesting discussions while well, some funny stories. So... Uh, I, I hate to say it, but I, I probably got to get going. So let's wrap it up. And this will be a super, super, probably the shortest episode ever of So Video Games. And then we will come back refreshed and renewed next week. How about that? Uh, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I'm sorry that I took up time talking about dumb games. So no, man, it was interesting. I was, no, no, I, <laughs> I was very interested in hearing about this game. I think that was time well spent. And honestly, it was well spent because all I had to say about the division was it's more division. So <laughs> let's get into it in a little bit more depth next time. Let's get some group time going. The wife really wants to play. I really want to play. We just need to make our schedules combine, which honestly is really the toughest boss to defeat when you become an adult. It's a little known secret. It's not, it's not anything on a console. It's real life scheduling <laughs> is the toughest boss. It's true. So. And especially <laughs> if you like live in a different time zone, then that just takes the difficulty up another notch. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to say one more thing. What? Shit. Whoa, wait. Okay, here it is. Wait, wait, is it here? Where is it? <laughs> yes, okay. Sorry. Okay, before we wrap the show, I promised that I would mention, I found out who has been putting us on the Swiss charts. I had uh, people people reach out to me from Switzerland. Thorsten Bush on Twitter said that he listens while he's grinding Arena Quests in Monster Hunter World, and so he thought it was hilarious, and he's probably a big reason why we're up <laughs> oh on the Switzerland God. board. Uh, we also had, we had one more person reach out. Damn it, I meant to get this ready before the show. I, I totally apologize. It was up on the Twitter. Here, oh, and Michael London is in Sweden also. Yes. 
uh, or he's in Sweden, so maybe he's listening. No, he's not. No, he's not going to be in Swiss Sports. Okay, separate, whatever. But from that part of the world, Michael London is giving us a hello from Sweden. Hello, Michael. We love you. You know that. And big thanks to Thorsten Bush in Switzerland for putting us on the Swiss boards. Really appreciate that. Keep it going, buddy. Keep it going. Maybe we'll go for 197 next time. Bump us up one. We all pull together. We're going to make it happen. Uh, but shout out to both uh, those guys. Thanks for reaching out. Really appreciate hearing from you guys. Glad to have you as fans. And uh, that's all I have. Let's wrap the show so I can get my ass in gear and get out of here because I am suddenly gripped with time pain. Oh, boy. So okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm clenching, Corey. I'm clenching. Oh we got to go. All right. All right. All right. Let's do this real fast. Real fast. Okay. This brings us to the end of the show. Remember, you can stick around after the show, after the ending music to hear the banter. We do have a banter section. So there's about 30 minutes of extra show if you want to hear some of that, if you're dissatisfied with the link, uh, the length of this show. Um, or if you want to bail and catch us next week, we'll be back with, fingers crossed, a like regular length show. Um, but in the meantime, you can leave us any thoughts, comments, feedback, ideas, uh, games you want us to play, anything like that. Um, a few different ways. The first way is by emailing us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Game Critics website when the show goes up. There's a comment section under every uh, in the article that every show is posted in. And we're also on Twitter collectively as a show at So Video Games. And you can also reach us individually on Twitter. Uh, Brad, how can they reach you? On Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Yes, and it's the same for me, my first and last name on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that brings us to the end of the show. Brad, anything else before we sign off? No, that's it. Sorry, it's a short one, but I got to get out of here. But we will come back next week. I think we will be in much better shape, and we will do a much better show. And honestly, I have a couple of uh, very interesting games on the horizon. I think we'll have juicier stuff to talk about next week, too. So sorry to be so short, but I got to scoop. All right, perfect. Well, I would I would consider better to have a short show than not have a show at all. So agreed. here's agreed. your mini, your pocket-sized show for the week. Uh, but that brings us to the end of it. We will be back next week for episode 124 but until then this is bye from Corey. and i almost said bye from Corey again why do i keep doing that and i am not Corey. why do i keep wanting to say that i don't know it's bye from brad i will get that right one of these times yes i am me you are you goodbye from brad thank you for listening i need a cup of coffee probably excellent get some coffee listeners get some coffee and we will see you next week <laughs> bye dude um first of all sorry for the delay in recording but we are here now uh unfortunately short show but i have lots of interesting stuff to talk about in banter oh it's interesting to me anyway probably not interesting to anybody else but <laughs> uh what do you have to banter about sir what do you got on the docket today um i know one thing that i know we can both talk about have a little discussion for banter i don't know if you're ready for this but i have one topic that we can both weigh in on Okay, yeah, go for it. Uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Oh, man. Okay. All right, all right. I, It was on my banter thing, too, so this is really good Good synergy. Um, I <laughs> I will let you talk first, and then I will listen, and then I will talk second. Oh, my god. And gosh, then you will okay. listen. All right, so I saw that you saw Captain Marvel, and I actually literally think we both saw it at the exact same time in our time zones because I saw you... <laughs> Like, when, like, the credits were done rolling and I, like, pulled my phone out at the theater, you had, like, just tweeted, like, oh, just left Captain Marvel with the family or whatever you said on Twitter. And I was like, wow, we, like, literally saw it at the same time. However, Dude. I did not tell you that I saw it, so here we are to discuss it. We Surprise. are so in sync, we didn't even know we were in sync, dude. How is that? I That's know. amazing. How, I mean, I guess after, like, 120-plus shows, I this is just bound to happen at some point. <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> If I was a woman and you were a woman, I would say that we were on the same cycle, but we're not. So I guess uh, I guess I'll just leave that go. But yes, uh, tell us about tell us about. <laughs> my wife says that all the time. It's fine. I can say I can say it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> tell us about Captain Marvel, sir. What did you think? Okay, so you know how I feel about superhero movies. People who are listening to the show might know how I feel about superhero movies. I'm not like against them by any means, but I only I've only seen probably about. 40% of the Marvel, like the MCU movies. I don't dislike them, but I just don't go out to see all of them. And I've seen some of the DC movies. 
Actually, I've probably seen almost all the DC movies now that I think about it, but there's far fewer in comparison to uh, the MCU movies. So um, I went to go see Captain Marvel with Patrick last week, and to be completely frank, I kind of felt like I had to see it more out of, like, necessity for it to set up Avengers Endgame than I really, like... I didn't really, like, want to see it that much. I wasn't, like, super jazzed about it. I was just kind of like, okay, it's there. It seems kind of like a touchstone for, like, pop culture and for you know, feminism and for female heroes and movies and stuff. And usually I'm the guy who's like, you know, day one midnight showing to see movies about like chicks kicking dudes asses. Like that's totally my thing. So I don't know what it is about Captain Marvel. that just didn't have me that jazzed. Like I, 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 I mean, I guess it's because the MCU movies all just kind of like blend together into one giant thing for me. Like it just kind of left me feeling a little bit uh, just uninterested but either way, Patrick and I went and saw it. And to sum up the movie, it is a it's about a woman named Carol Danvers who was in the Air Force in like the 80s and she kind of has amnesia and she wakes up on a alien planet and she goes by Veers, which is V E R S on the alien planet. She's kind of like I don't know, just like a superhero, I guess. And she gets kidnapped by another alien race. She's trying to, they're trying to like mine her memories in order to figure out like something about her past. <clears throat> she doesn't really know what was going on in the past. So it's sort of like a weird, like amnesia coming of age, very like born identity ish where, you know, she's like obviously very capable of kicking ass, but she doesn't quite know how she got there. And then she crashes down onto earth. She meets Samuel L. Jackson. And this all happens before like any of the other Marvel movies. So even before like the first Iron Man and timeline, this is like kind of like the prequel to all of them. Totally. Totally. Um, and basically, like, she and Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Captain Captain Fury? Nick Fury. N- Nick Fury. What Does he have a title, or is it just Nick Fury? Just Nick Fury. Okay. Um, he, he, they kind of team up and, I guess, like, try to figure out what happened in her past. I'm not going to spoil it, so I'll kind of stop on the details there. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of went in not being very excited about it, and I came out feeling the exact same way. Like, I it didn't really... <laughs> Oh my god, that is so Corey. That is yeah, so Corey. Yeah, I mean, it's so me. And like, I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, I want to make it clear that it's not like a bad movie. It just like, it didn't really do anything for me. Like, I mean, I don't really have anything for or against Brie Larson. She plays Captain Marvel. Like, I haven't really seen a whole lot of her movies. The thing that I remember her most from, which is something that she did like way before she got famous, was um, The United States of Terra, which was a Showtime show uh, where Tony Collette played a mom who had like a disassociative identity disorder, where she was basically played like, you know, a bunch of different characters and they were like trying to take over her mind. She was, uh, Brie Larson was her daughter in the show, and that show is probably like a decade old. Um, but I haven't really seen any of her new stuff. I mean, she's an Oscar winner. She won Best Actress like two or three years ago at the Oscars. So she's obviously like kind of a powerhouse actor, but I just like wasn't really that excited. Like, I mean, the movie I thought was paced kind of not well. Like, it kind of felt like, it had action just to have action, and it didn't really serve the story very well. Um, I wasn't really that impressed with sort of, like, the... Like, whenever you kind of find out what happens to her, like, I was just kind of like, okay, this seems kind of rote. And I didn't think the action... Because, like, action is, like, a big thing for me in movies. Like, I love movies that have, like, really incredible, like, action choreography or really great, like, set pieces or whatever. And, like, the action was just kind of, like, there. It didn't really feel interesting to me. Um, it just kind of, like, to me, at the end of the day, like, I want, uh, so, like, you know, I want this movie to be inspiring for people. Like, obviously, this is a big touchstone for, like, you know, the the female movie-going experience, and I would never want to take that away from anybody. Um, but for me, like, it kind of feels like it's in this weird spot where it feels like it was specifically made to be, like, seen by very young girls. And I, when I say young, I mean, like, 5 to, like, 12. Like, it seems kind of, like, targeted toward like a very like young female empowerment demographic but the other weird thing is that it's like the movie takes place in the 90s and that's like a big thing going for it where it's got like all this like you know they crammed in as much like silly 90s nostalgia as they possibly could in order to like i don't know just like really set the scene which i thought they overdid it a little bit but you know whatever so it's kind of like the nostalgia stuff is there for like the older women or older people or older whoever it's targeted to. And then, but it seems very targeted toward like very young women to me. And I just like, didn't, I don't know. It just kind of felt like that, 
you know, Marvel was finally like, okay, I guess we have to make the girl movie. And then, like, they made the girl movie. And then, like, it didn't really seem to me like anybody was super duper passionate about it. And as a matter of fact, whenever I left, I came home and two days after I saw it in the theater, I sat down and watched Wonder Woman at home again, which was my third time seeing it. Because Wonder Woman is maybe my favorite superhero movie ever. Um, it's just incredible. It's incredible. It is really it good. Like I love a, Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. And it just has like, I felt like the like the heart and soul of, and like the message of Wonder Woman that just like really gives me like hope for humanity that like Wonder Woman like encompasses. I just didn't really feel any of that for in Captain Marvel. And I don't know if it was like supposed to have it and it was just lost on me or if it didn't have it or whatever, but I just I don't know, like, Wonder or uh, Captain Marvel was just okay for me. Like, I would never watch it again. I mean, I'm happy that it made a shitload of money. I'm happy to see women on my Twitter timeline loving it and enjoying it and, you know, championing it. But it, I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't really like it. I think there are way better female-fronted movies out there, um, Wonder Woman included. Not that we have to, you know, constantly do the head-to-head Wonder Woman Captain Marvel thing. But I just, you know, wasn't excited going in. And coming out, I did not feel any different. You know, I'm sorry, Brad. No, don't be sorry because I feel basically <laughs> the exact same way. Oh I mean, no! <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I I thought it was a fine movie. Like it was fine. Like we went to go see it, and I feel like it's hard to it's hard to criticize this movie because there were so many people hating the existence of the movie before the movie that I kind of feel like like I don't want to give those guys even an ounce of credit. Right? There were tons of people <laughs> who were like review bombing movie sites, like. You know, like, you see a preview for a movie go up, and it's like, oh, this movie releases in seven days and three minutes or something. And so, like, you can't leave a comment until the movie is, like, actually out. So then, like, what, like 0.01 seconds after the movie released, there was already, like, 10,000, like, zero scores and all these guys Ugh. who were like, this movie sucks. And it's like, you haven't even seen the movie. The movie has been out for less than one actual minute. There's no way you could have a legit opinion about this. So, like, there's all that shit going on. Lots of hate going on and, you know, like, so, like, I feel like I, like, this sucks because I, you know, I've seen all the Marvel movies. I definitely have opinions on all the Marvel movies. I'm a Marvel fan, so I want to talk about this. At the same time, I want to give, like, this big, giant, red, throbbing middle finger to all those guys who were ready to hate this movie before <laughs> it came out. Because fuck you, you know, like, just completely fuck you. Like, I, I am fine with women superheroes, Movies that feature women in the lead role, like, all that stuff, women being empowered. I, like, I love it all. It's fine. Like, give it to me. I'm great. So, just just saying that up front, uh, it just it kind of pains me that this movie wasn't better. Like, it's not bad. Like, like you said, it's not bad. We went to see it in the afternoon. I thought it was fine. We had a fun time. You know, it basically delivered what we expected from the average Marvel movie where, you know, the MCU is kind of its own cottage industry. Um, but, like... I mean, I did. I do kind of agree with you. I think a part of this movie exists just because, it, like, it does need to set up Avengers because, you know, clearly they're going to use Captain Marvel to come in and kick some serious ass in the next <laughs> movie where Thanos is because they need a Hail Mary, right? Because half the heroes are dead or dissolved or whatever. So they need to set her up, and nobody knows Captain Marvel. I mean, I, I haven't been following comics lately, like in the last 10 or 20 years, but when I was reading comics, and I used to work at a comic shop, I used to be balls deep in comics dude like captain marvel was never really a thing like we knew about her and she was around but like never was that popular and never really stuck out to me i would have been very hard pressed to tell you what her powers were or what her origin was or anything like that excuse me one second <clears throat> sorry but i'm glad that so i mean i feel mixed on this because i think it's awesome that she like got to front a movie i've seen lots of girls who really liked it and that's awesome i mean there was a lot of cosplay going on. I just went to the uh, Emerald City Comic Con recently. There was tons of Captain Marvel there. I thought that was awesome. I mean, I'm all for it. 100% behind it. Super support it. But, like, in terms of just the movie itself, I do kind of agree with you. Um, the action, I, I thought, was just okay. And I think part of it was that the bad guys are not really that exciting. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers because there is a bit of a spoiler to be given if you talk about the bad guys. But... I just think the bad guys were not really that exciting. They didn't feel very dangerous or very interesting. And so I think without having a really bad, bad guy, you can't really be your best hero because you're not really fighting against that much. Um, the story spent a lot of time in flashbacks, which is always kind of a difficult proposition for any movie, not just a Marvel movie. 
Uh, and it was just, it was just like one kind of like really long extended origin story, which was fine. I mean, I know a lot of women who personally got a lot out of it, and so that's awesome. I mean, maybe there's something about Captain Marvel that speaks more specifically to the female experience, and I totally respect that 100%. Like, I mean, I, I'm not a woman, so I can't say that I have that experience myself, but I spoke to women who saw it, and I mean, a lot of them just were really loving it a lot. It really spoke to them, so that's cool. Um, but for me, I don't think I would watch it again. But that's, you know, there's there's many Marvel movies I would not watch again, so I'm not just picking on Captain Marvel. Um, a lot of them I, I wouldn't really care to watch again. Uh, and it was fine. I look forward to seeing Captain Marvel being more fully integrated into the rest of the Marvel Universe. I think she'll be a cool person to add to the mix. Because my favorite thing is always seeing all the heroes together. Um, and it was it was okay. I mean, it was okay. The uh, it, just, it just felt like it didn't really come too much of a head. And there wasn't really much at stake, I guess. That, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Stop right there. Because that's exactly when you were talking about the bad guys. That's what I exactly what I was thinking. And I thought about this after I got out of the theater and just forgot about it when I was giving my monologue earlier. Stakes. 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 Stakes are everything to me in a movie. And whenever the main character of your movie is basically an indestructible humanoid alien who can shoot magic photon blasts out of her fists, there are no stakes. Like... She, I mean, I, there were like no stakes in this movie. Like she's, you know, didn't really, it's just like nothing. She was so capable that nothing really stood a chance of hurting her. She had this sort of like unlimited, like fist blast thing. She was like flying in the universe, you know, at some point in the movie, like with her like spacesuit on. And I'm like, okay, if she can't get hurt, then, like, where are the stakes? There are none. And so, like, that made it more <clears throat> difficult for me to get into as well because, like, she she really, like, had no... Her only vulnerability in the, in the whole movie was her not knowing her past. And then that reveal wasn't interesting to me. So, like, I just wasn't really... I don't know. The stakes are everything for me in a movie, and this movie just, like, didn't seem to have any... See, this is the problem that DC runs into with Superman all the time because, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a DC expert or anything, but I, you know, I've read some Superman comics and I, you know, you just know from Superman being in the culture. But I mean, you know, Superman is basically invincible. I mean, unless you have like a whole rocket launcher full of kryptonite rockets or something, but like <laughs> kryptonite aside, I mean, nobody can, nobody can beat him. Like he's basically the, the superpower of the universe. And so how do you ever fight that? And so you notice like, if you're not doing the kryptonite thing, then usually what a Superman story ends up being is, oh, I couldn't save everybody and then I got really sad and he just kind of deals with the sadness. <laughs> or it's like, oh, somebody was a hostage and I didn't save them and then he's also sad. Or it's like, oh, I'm really lonely because no one knows how I feel. Oh, and he's... So, like, all of Superman's struggles when you take away the kryptonite is basically, like, I just have these internal struggles because no one knows what it's like to be me and I can't be all things to all people and I can't be everywhere at once. And so I saved a hundred people on this bus, but then this two people over here died because I couldn't stop the car and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that's kind of like the, the rut that DC falls into. And they kept coming up with these like more and more ludicrous ways of putting Superman in danger. Because like you said, if there's no stakes, it's really hard to tell an interesting story that humans can relate to uh, because humans are not all powerful and humans have failings and we're weak and we get tired and sick and things happen and so those are the things that we really connect to. That's why flawed heroes are so interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not the expert in Captain Marvel's powers, but she she is like a cosmic level superhero. So like in the, Mar in the, in the, in the Marvel pantheon, this is not like an official rating or anything, but like you have your, your daredevils who is like, you know, he's got cool radar powers, but he's basically just a guy who trains a lot and is really obsessed. So he's got like, you know, he's like the street level dude. And then you've got like the, I don't know, like, I'm not sure what you can like international superhero or something where they can take on, you know, like Captain America or Iron Man or something where they're pretty strong, not invulnerable, but, you know, they can kick a lot of ass and they can get places and they can take <laughs> care of some some large scale business, you know. And then you've got your cosmic level people who's like Thanos, who can like kill untold numbers of people and Captain Marvel, who can shoot like, you know, the power of a sun through her fist or whatever. And, you know, you don't want to mess with those dudes because they'll just fuck up your planet and shit. So, <laughs> I mean, she's like cosmic level, which is hardcore, and they're going to need that to, to resolve Avengers. But, I mean, they're going to fall into the Superman trap. So I don't know how what they're going to do to resolve that. And for me, it was just like basically an origin story. The bad guys were kind of dull. And, I mean, there was, a, there was a couple of funny parts. I mean, getting to learn about Nick Fury and his past was kind of interesting. 
Um, they had a very interesting cat, which I wanted to know more about. I think the cat was probably <laughs> the biggest star of the show. Um, it was just all right. I mean, it wasn't bad. wasn't terrible. wasn't the best. Just okay. But I don't really want to talk about the bad things because I don't want those fucking uh, Gamergate misogynist sexist assholes to feel like they had a victory. But uh, anyway, yeah, I got to tell it like it is. So it seems like we're pretty much on the same page on that one. Yeah, I think we are. Well, let's talk about a different property. Uh, did I talk about Steven Universe last time? I did, didn't I? I don't know. Did you? Did I? Do you not remember me talking about Steven Universe? Um, no. I've You talked about how it touches on, like, heady subjects. Is that the conversation I had with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. God, did I already say this? Because I wrote this down and I wanted to talk about it. Did I already talk about it? I feel like I'm going to feel stupid. I don't know. I t- My memory if I tell is fuzzy the same story right now about it. Damn it. Okay. I don't remember if I said this or not. Okay, people, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, Brad is so far gone. He told this exact story last week and he doesn't remember. I'm, I apologize. Please fast forward and just, you know, just see you next week, I guess, because this will be the end of the podcast. But I'll talk about it again anyway, because this is all I really had. Um, so I've been watching a lot of Steven Universe. I'm pretty sure I brought it up last episode. This is a Cartoon Network cartoon about aliens, which are on Earth, uh, and they they're like gems, but they also take the form of people. And then they live with Steven, who is half human, half gem. His mother was a gem and his father was a human. And then they had him. And so he is kind of like coming to grips with what it's like to be partly human, partly gem, to have magic powers, but can't really control them too well. And then like, what does that mean for him? Like, is he a part of the team? Or are they just taking care of him? What is his life going to be like? And so there's all these different questions. So is this sounding familiar? Uh, not really. God damn it. I know I talked about, I feel, oh man, I feel so stupid right now, dude. I know I talked about this at some point. And I feel stupid for not remembering if you talked about it or not, which is embarrassing me. No worries. No worries. Okay. So anyway, so this is a show that I started watching with my son. He wanted to watch it and we've been kind of getting into cartoon series that I have heard about, but I've never watched. So, you know, we did Gravity Falls a while ago. I didn't know if that was going to be any good. It seemed like something that'd be really irritating and stupid, but we watched it, ended up really loving it. Kind of the same thing for this one. I'm like, oh, this looks kind of irritating, stupid. I don't know if I'm going to like it. This show is wonderful. It is wonderful, Corey. It is so good. Um, I feel stupid that I didn't watch it before. And I, I'm i not sure that I would have ever watched it before if I didn't have a kid because he was really the one that wanted to watch it the most. I mean, maybe I would have watched it, maybe not, but doubtful. So I guess I really owe a big thanks to my son, Whitaker, for getting me into it because this show is just fucking marvelous the show is like everything dude it is so crazy um because if there's cartoon goofiness that happens you know there's there's action and stuff in every episode but every episode builds on the previous one so there's one continuous storyline running through all of it and they talk about so many things that are handled so well and so like honestly um they talk about like what it feels like to not be happy with your own body they talk about you know being scared of what other people think of you they talk about how tough it is to talk to people and open up sometimes they talk about like romance and how difficult it can be to connect with someone and then you find someone and that doesn't mean that everything is solved forever sometimes things can be problematic and then you have to work through them and one of the episodes that really just like like thunderstruck me like like knocked me back dude blew my mind um there's one episode where okay so one part of the gems is they can combine. It's like one of their little superpowers. So there's just these gems and their bodies are kind of like these constructs that they make. So they're really, they're just the gem. So when two gems find a big monster or something that's too much for them to handle, if they like each other and they can get along and they can cooperate, they can combine. And so they put their two bodies together and make like a new body. And it combines like both pieces of, of the, the former pieces, right? So this fusion that they do comes up fairly often in the show and they use it to like to accomplish like you know fighting off like a big Godzilla-sized monster or, you know I don't know lifting a bust out of the ocean or something like that it doesn't come up all the time but they they spend a lot of time talking about it and they they kind of portray it as like a relationship where both parts are still there but then they're together but then they're not separate anymore but they're still present and they they kind of talk about it a lot it's really interesting the way they approach it so what happens is Stephen is half human. And he does not think he can ever fuse. He's curious about it because he's seen his other gem friends do it. And he doesn't know if he can do it or not or what, what's even involved. But he has a human friend. Uh, and her name is Connie. And, it, you know, they, they're kind of a pair. They're kind of like besties. But they're also a little bit of like 
romance vibe going on, but they're still kids, so it's nothing too crazy, and they just, they really like each other a lot kind of a thing. It's really sweet. And so what happens is um, they're messing around, and they're, like, dancing and having a really good time, spending the day together, and then they accidentally fuse. Like, they don't intend to, but they do. And so Stephen, who's a boy, and Connie, who's a girl, fuse together, and they make one large person. And so that person has both, like, masculine and feminine qualities. They're larger than they each were because it's, like, you know, the size of, like, a grown-up person instead of there being kids. And they just, like, are both really taken aback for a minute. And what I really liked about this particular episode is just how they really approached it. Because I think in any other show, if, you know, there's been a number of episodes of, like, sitcoms or movies or anything where, like, some guy will, you know, they'll do like a Freaky Friday brain swap or something, or there'll be some kind of weird science experiment where the guy ends up in a woman's body. And inevitably, it's always the same. It's like, oh my God, I've got boobs. And oh my God, people are looking at me. And oh, you know, like, all, you know, the, the same like tropey shit that happens. But in this particular episode, it was like, it was totally different. Like they combined. And so it's like Steven and Connie together. And they're just like, this is amazing. This feels like so complete and we're together and this feels good and like we like the way that we think now and we feel differently than we did apart but now we're still each other but not we're more and so it was just like this totally like positive thing celebrating like both aspects and then what they combined into and the really interesting thing was like when they started like going into town and like meeting people uh other people were like really attracted to them and were really interested in them and nobody like ran away like it wasn't like a freaky frankenstein thing like everybody was like oh my god who's this amazing person they look like so fascinating and attractive and i want to get to know this person and they were like really popular and so it just kind of became this exploration of like what it would be like i guess if gender was different or if we looked at gender differently or or how a person could see themselves in a different gender or an altered gender I mean, that's heavy shit, dude. I could write a 10,000-page paper on that, like, 12-minute <laughs> episode. And it just, it, it totally stunned me that they could take a big topic like that, a really deep and nuanced topic like that, and really just kind of explore it in a way that was approachable to kids, but also didn't skirt the bigger issues. At one point, they get kind of sad because they don't like how this one particular guy was treating them, and so they kind of talked about that for a little bit, which is also really a little bit on the heavy side, but not too heavy. Like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't cover your kid's eyes when you're watching or anything. I mean, like amazing writing, dude, like so amazing to like skirt that narrow line through heavy topics and political topics and, you know, gender politics and personal identity and happiness and all this stuff and just being human and being flawed. And then also it's still like a cartoon and kids can watch it and get something out of it and still enjoy it and have fun. And I'm the parent sitting next to it. And I'm just like, holy shit, this writing is so fucking good. I can't believe somebody pulled this off. And it was just, it was so good, dude. It was so good. Um, so that was like the the episode that really like rocked my world. Um, but there have been a number of episodes since then that touch on different topics. I mean, their handling of relationships and romance, I think is pretty phenomenal. And and about um, body autonomy comes up. I mean, it, it, sounds, it sounds weird to say this about this Cartoon Network show, but man, they go there. And they, every time, like, literally every time they go there, like, it works. Like, it's really good. It's on point. It makes sense. It's valuable. I just have no, I just have no words to express how much I'm enjoying Steven Universe right now. I never thought it would. I thought it was a stupid throwaway cartoon. Never expected this. Thought it would blow it off and be irritated and want to change the channel. But it is so fucking good, dude. It is amazing. Hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Because I don't, like, I feel like I've seen... Like, maybe, like, GIFs or screenshots or stuff of the show every once in a while on, like, social media, but I've never, ever, like, really known what it's about. And I always sort of lumped it into the same category as, like, Rick and Morty and, like, South Park and stuff that, like... Same, same. I did the exact yeah. same thing, dude. Literally the same thing. It is 1,000% <laughs> not that. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, you know my TV-watching habits, which are pretty non-existent, so I probably will never watch it, but I'm glad to hear that it's good and that it's... Not what I expected, because just from the art style alone and from, like, the fandom surrounding it, I was like, oh, this is one of those, like, dumb blowaway shows that 35-year-old men who still think they're 15 watch and laugh out with their friends. But I'm glad it's something different than that. Yeah, dude, that is literally everything you just said is exactly why I never watched it <laughs> and why I didn't think I was going to like it. And I, I totally did lump it in with that shit where I'm like, I'm just not going to watch this because it seems, like, pre-irritating. Um, could not have been more wrong. I am so wrong. Um, but then again, it's weird because... I never really picked up from anybody why it was good. I mean, maybe I'm not in the right circles or something, but like I never really heard anybody making a case for it. 
Um, I saw some people liking it and yeah, the gifts and stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It looks obnoxious. <laughs> but man, I wish somebody would have like really talked about this beforehand. And when I, when I p- tweeted about it, people were like, oh yeah, the show's amazing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, where were you guys two years ago when I could have been watching this? Like, wh- why did nobody say this was so good? Like, I had no idea. Um, so anybody who is a fan of this and didn't tell me about it personally, you fail. You guys fail. You could have hit me to this like a long time ago. Uh, but this show is actually is not at all what it looks like. It is super amazing. I mean, I've cried, dude. I've cried like I think three separate times watching the show. Uh, I know I'm a little bit more prone to tears these days because I'm just an old dude and I'm sensitive. But holy shit, there's a few moments that fucking oh just get you. It's just oh, such a good show, man. Really, really good. So yeah, I, you're probably never gonna watch it. But if for some reason you find yourself trapped in an airport with like nine hours ahead of you and you got nothing to do, <laughs> fire it up and you can watch like the first couple seasons and. Uh, it's really, really good. And the episodes are like 12 minutes long, dude. They're super short. So Really? Yeah. I mean, imagine getting all that stuff done in 12 fucking minutes. Fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. So, anyway, that's all I got for Banter today. I think uh, we are doing kind of a short show. We should probably move on to the actual game section. What do you say? That sounds good to me. All right, dude. Let's do it. Let's talk about some games. <laughs> 